In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Today, Christ enters Jerusalem in triumph. The people praise him, shouting, Hosanna. And they lay palms and cloaks on the ground to honor him. Mary, the sister of Lazarus, raised from the dead, anoints Jesus with precious oils. Mary thanks Jesus for his providence and prepares Christ for his death and burial just six days away. All those that were of simple faith and trust in God, in his work to raise the dead, became inspired to offer up to the Lord a faultlessly perfect hymn and bore witness that as God, he brought Lazarus back to life after he had been dead four days. All of these people sing a perfect hymn that tells of the divinity of Jesus, the Son of God, who became man for us. Their voices take up a similar angelic hymn that was given at our Lord's birth, where the angel sang, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. And now at the time of his entry into Jerusalem, the children offer up the same kind of hymn. Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, they are saying, and by this word, they are saying, we praise, we glorify you, for you will save us. Christ appears to us, and the depths of one's heart is revealed by his appearing. And just as his appearing prompts a revelation of who I truly am, at his birth, Herod was shown to be a jealous murderer of innocence. And at his raising of Lazarus, the rabbinic priestly and temple leaders were revealed to have the same evil spirit. The mighty work of God for our salvation is being wrought as he enters into the gates of Jerusalem from Gethsemane. Did any of these proclaimers truly understand what Christ came to do for them? And do we understand what he is doing for us? The crowd in Jerusalem is responding to Jesus' power over death, but they only know what has already happened. They have seen him call forth Lazarus from the tomb, and Lazarus' sister Mary has given thanks to Christ for raising her brother from the dead and by anointing him with a whole vial of expensive specknard and offering her hair to him as a brush. And she unknowingly prepares his body for the tomb. She acts but does not know what she is doing exactly. They find it nearly impossible to see how this person can and would remake the whole universe. They glorify his power over Hades and death, but can't just yet see how he will shake the foundations of the earth and remake each and everything. They saw Jesus as a powerful prophet, a teacher, and a wonder worker. They did not yet know him fully as their Lord and Savior, as their God. Their thanks and praise comes from what they have already seen and heard him do. However, the Sanhedrin and Judas saw Christ also as a teacher and miraculous man, just as the crowds did but they did not praise him. They saw Jesus in Nazareth, a threat to their authority because the people loved him. They could only see a challenge to their own power structures. They grasped tightly at what they had and violence consumed their heart. They were faithless in the fulfillment of God's plan for salvation and rebelled against God to hold on to what they desired to keep and obtain. They sought to kill and destroy all the proofs of Christ's work. And Judas Iscariot was offended by the extravagance of Mary's pious devotion to her teacher and friend. 
and the giver of life to her brother. This seemingly small complaint over a better use of funds led him to earn the title the son of perdition. As he decided to betray Christ and condemning himself to rebellion against the Savior along with the schemes of his enemies. But the crowds of followers and the disciples responded differently. They responded today with humility and obedience, offering songs and palms. These virtues are the baseline of the spiritual life. It is humility and obedience to God that we have sought to understand through this Lent, or should be seeking even to our last breath. Without humble obedience when Christ appears, we will be stuck in a perpetual rebellion against Christ. We will hate him if this is our disposition. Wherever we are not humble and wherever we are not obedient to our Lord, we kick against the goads and harm only our own souls. My brothers and sisters, how easily do we believe ourselves to be like Mary or the crowd praising Christ? And how much more often do we act like Judas or the Sanhedrin or the crowd only six days later? Every time we are prodded along by our passions to criticize the body of Christ, we think in the same way as the world. We think in power structures. We act as though we are the rivals. We have rivals for power in Christ's body, and we set ourselves inside rival groups and advocating for some cause or pet issue, bemoaning and perhaps encouraging or celebrating the beating of our siblings, believing ourselves to be the righteous warriors, these show us to be truly weak and easily overcome by our passions and the cares of the world. When he, hears, when he appears, we will say, Lord, I had to do and follow my convictions. They were doing it all wrong. Will you be offended and become resentful that things are not done your way? This is really a step on the road to the murderous plan. Perhaps we are like the crowd praising Christ and thanking God only after being, being surprised by a miracle or a blessing, but we quickly scatter when he approaches the cross. We ask ourselves, even when we have the best intentions, do we come only to Christ after we hear, have heard him done this great sign? Do we rush to witness the miracle, but distance ourselves from the suffering of Christ and become the ones that cause his body more suffering? Do we withhold our praise and thanks to him for only those times when there is evident happiness before us and withdraw from salvific suffering? But thanks be to the mighty one that our Lord, the God-man, is not as fickle as we are. He is the constant provider and our co-sufferer. He shows and enables us to live in a different way than all of these. He gives us the grace to live as ones raised from the dead even in the midst of the threat of death, just as he did and his saints do. Those who, through though they are tortured and in prison, praise God. Those who struggle against the fleshly desire and praise God. Those who, no matter the season, are before their icon corners and they praise him. And these are joining his life-saving raising on the cross, and they are comforted. Our hope is not placed in what is already before us, the workings of history and the so-called civilizational progress. No, our hope is forward-looking, beyond these things. Our hope is seen by our spiritual eyes, gazing upon Christ's empty tomb, and even to the emptying of all the tombs throughout the ages. 
These things they understood not, says St. John the Theologian. Christ acts for our salvation, no matter if we understand what it is he is doing. When we are obedient and journey with him from his entry to the tomb and on to his resurrection, he grants us his kingdom. He does all this even though we do not understand. But he accomplishes salvation for us nonetheless. We don't understand why we have encountered some difficulty in in our families or to our plans. We don't understand why some passion we hate still burns hotly within us as we pick up and apply the cures of the church to our lives. We don't understand why in the midst of a world that hates the church and threatens us with incremental death by more strictures, by lesser freedoms, yet we can and need to trust in him, especially in these times, just as Mary and Martha did and just as his disciples eventually do. They wept with Christ and trusted in his power over death itself, even if sometimes they failed to live up to it. And that, my brothers and sisters, it should be a great comfort to us, and is a great comfort if we latched on to it. Even when we fail to live this out, Christ accepts us back and restores us to the fullness of his grace and victory. We can pick up and go with him at any time and in any place. Here is the greatness of the gospel. We are not called to have a full understanding of how God turns all things to his goodness by his will. It is not a matter of the head, but of the heart. We are called to rejoice, give thanks, and bear witness to Christ at all times. At all times, there are people or actions that we can do that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, gracious. And if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This is what we heard in the epistle. Offer up your thanksgiving to God just as we lift up these palms as a sign of victory. Today, thank God every time that you have eyes to see these things in the world full of darkness and ask to be shown them again and again. This is the flavor and feel of Orthodox life, the way of life given to us by our faith. You may not have your own words to thank God and to praise him. Those words may not bubble up from the depths of your heart as they did for the people that welcomed him into Jerusalem. This is our weakness, but Christ is our strength. Our own worries, fears, sufferings are blinding us. Let the church and her saints be your strength and show you the way. Turn to the holy ones of God, and to give, they will give you words. Ask for their help to find the word. The most powerful way that you can do this is to be at the services of the church, and to learn these services and to get, that are dedicated to the saints and to pray them. Pray a paraclesis or an akathis service. Sing and speak with rejoicing to and with these righteous men and women during times of great trouble. These services especially remind us that our own strength is not in ourselves, but in Christ Jesus, our master. They put before us verbal icons by which we can see the life of heaven breaking into this world. Pour out your heart with those words and to these holy ones, and make praises offered in their services your own. Call down God's peace with these when you are anxious about death, and you will become like the crowd turning to the gate of entry and singing praises to Christ as he enters, sitting on a colt, 
and glorious procession. When you turn to God like this, like they did, you will begin to fulfill the blessed words of the epistle to the Philippians that we have just heard. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let all men know your forbearance. The Lord is at hand. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and God, the God of peace will be with you. May we learn to live within the complete trust and peace of God, offering thanks and praise to him in these times that are of great trial. God is wondrous in his saints, and chant with them, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Amen. <laughs>